don't know about you, I, I was kind of, I think we're on. Yes? All right. Yeah. Uh, psychologically, I was kind of ready for winter to be over. We got like, uh, you know, up to around 70 again in, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and then somehow it's dropped back down. Thanks for the 30-something degree weather. Pastor Tim, thank you, personally, <laughs> for that. Uh, you know, speaking of the gray hair, our, our first grandchild, I, I turned 63 this coming week, and our oldest granddaughter is 17, so I was in my mid-40s when, uh, when she was born. And uh, Nancy and I are in our mid-40s. And at that point, you know, it was before my hair had gone gray, and I'd mentioned to someone I'm a grandfather, and they'd say, no, you're not a grandfather. I said, no, really, I am. And it wasn't long after that that I didn't have to convince people I was a grandfather. So <laughs> anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's great to be with you. Actually, um, I appreciate you all being here. You know this is just the front, the healing seminar. This is actually Gamblers Anonymous, so... <laughs> I'll start with my confession. Oh, okay. Um, so so here's, what, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I will teach for an hour or more, and I'll either go straight up to break time, then we'll resume with questions and more teaching, or more likely, I'll stop earlier, have a time for questions, then we'll have our lunch break, then I'll continue teaching, and then we'll have more time for questions, okay? Um, I won't have any time for answers, but we'll let you ask lots of questions. Um, okay, so here's what I encourage you to do. As I'm teaching, if something comes up that you're wondering about, uh, raises a question for you, or interpretation of a verse, or what about this, you've heard this, just write it down, jot it down, and then when we have a time for questions, we'll come back to that, all right? And then uh, I'll let you know about resources that we have and ways that you can connect with us online on a, on a daily basis and be ministered to. But let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to open our hearts and to open our minds. I ask you to touch us and change us and impart your word of truth to us. May the eyes of our understanding be opened. May your spirit move in our midst and change us so we can go and change this world through the gospel. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, we're going to look at a ton of scripture today, but I want to first give a personal introduction as to why the subject of divine healing has been an, an issue to me, why it's been a concern. Obviously, when we're talking about sickness and healing, we're not talking abstract theology. You know, we could debate certain things. The book of Revelation mentions the seven spirits of God. Does that mean the sevenfold spirit of God or seven aspects of the spirit? Why? You know, we could debate that, and it doesn't really affect us personally. You know, it says that Jesus is, is eternally begotten. That's what we understand Scripture says. Well, what does it mean to be eternally begotten? We can have these endless debates about it. It doesn't really affect us in a practical way. You know, we could debate the future and what's going to happen. Is there a millennial kingdom and this? And is there going to be a physical temple? And we can debate that, but it doesn't really affect us in the here and now. Sickness and healing affects us in the here and now. Some of you are chronically ill and it's debilitating and it's very difficult to make it through a day, let alone actively minister and serve others. Some of you have, have loved ones fighting for their lives. So this is not just something abstract. 
and something that's of interest. This is something of, of life and death interest to many, many people. So we, we want to ask the question, what does Scripture say? And if we conclude that healing should be normative today, in other words, that on a regular basis we should be seeing the sick heal, the question would be, are we seeing that? And if not, why? So the question is, what does Scripture say? And, and let me give my personal intro first. So I was saved in Italian Pentecostal Church, 1971. It was a heroin shooting, LSD using hippie rock drummer when God saved me. And I went to the church actually to pull my friends out. God saved me in 1971. And of course, the church believed in divine healing and so on. And we just, that was the environment I was raised in. If you were sick, you know, you asked the pastor to pray for you. And early on, right before I got saved, and then in the early days in the Lord, I'd gotten hives, got allergic reaction to something. So, you know, these red blotches all over your body, terrible itch, and it was tormenting. And at one point, I was miraculously healed. I mean, they were covering my body. I was in, you know, misery just with the itch and this whole thing. I didn't have medicine with me. Uh, I was at school when the thing hit. I prayed with a friend, and within two minutes, everything disappeared. That, that was pretty dramatic. It was wonderfully dramatic, um, especially after praying for weeks before it and not seeing a result. That was dramatic. But then over the years, I was expecting to see more because we heard about the good old days. We heard about what God was doing in the 40s and the 50s and the healing revival and these different men that God was using. And we heard the stories and then we hear stories about what was happening in other parts of the world. It was never happening where I was, and it was never happening at that time. It was, it was in the past, and then the people would say, brother, you just stay faithful, you'll see it in the future. And, and then the few things that were tangible in front of your eyes, like someone that was crippled or blind, you know, we, we didn't see healed. And over a period of time, as I was now in college, and starting to read more and learn more and interact with more people, I saw that many Christians didn't believe that healing was for today, that it was just to establish the gospel, to verify that Jesus was the Messiah and the apostles were sent by God, and that we couldn't expect it today. And I began to question a lot of things in in my Pentecostal upbringing. Ultimately, we switched to another church after being in that first church for about six years. And this next church was was much more open-minded, much more enlightened and willing to, to entertain different ideas. And, and we couldn't really agree what was the baptism in the spirit and what about tongues. We had all these differences among us. And I thought, well, that's great. We have these, these discussions and it's healthy. But in point of fact, in the midst of this, I was just getting very intellectual, very theological. I was now getting my PhD at NYU. And along the way, I had really left my first love You know, many people, you can do all your academic study and theological study, and it doesn't affect your spiritual life. For me, I was just getting into kind of a a theological pride. It says in 1 Corinthians 8 that knowledge puffs up and love builds up. I was in the knowledge puffs up stage. And I remember we were discussing the issue of healing. And we used to have an outreach to a, a community home for the disabled, and every week, folks would come faithfully, and, and they'd bring these folks in in wheelchairs and, and, and some very, very handicapped. And every, every week, we'd, we'd see them there, and of course, we never saw any of them healed. And then we were having a discussion, what did we believe as a leadership team? I was an elder at the church. What did we believe as a leadership team about healing? 
And at that time, I was so, you know, focused on the Old Testament and all my Old Testament studies. So I went through all these Old Testament verses about God destroying and God smiting. And, you know, there are far more that he smote people than he healed people. And I concluded, you know, that God was more of a smiter than a healer. And, I mean, that's how negative I was. And um, I I remember in the midst of this that my sister-in-law, who my wife and I had led to the Lord years earlier... Uh, she, she started listening to the teaching of, of one major word of faith teacher. And you know, we differed. We told her we didn't agree with what he was saying. And she had shattered her left elbow and had, had a work accident. And with surgery and everything, it couldn't be fixed. So she was, was actually getting a legal settlement because it happened while she was at work. And she went to a, to a meeting in New York City where this man and his wife were ministering. And the wife got up and went through a lot of verses about healing. And then he got up to minister. And there were several thousand people there. And he said, there's someone here with their shattered left elbows being healed. Well, my sister-in-law, she was instantly healed. So she came back not just excited about being healed, but wanting to testify. It's always God's will to heal and the whole bit, which we didn't believe in our church at that point. And she was so zealously pushing this that God wants to heal all the time and we didn't agree with her. And then she was saying, Mike, you lost the anointing that was on your life. So that was really, so anyway, we ended up, this is my own sister-in-law, we ended up excommunicating her for being divisive. How sweet. What a nice family thing to do. <laughs> now, she, she was pushy, I'll admit that. But <laughs> that's, that's how hardened I was to this at that point. But she was really praying for me, the folks in this church she was going to, you know, once she left, were really praying for me. And God began to convict me of leaving my first love. God began to convict me of those aspects. Now again, that was, that was just my own life, the journey that I was on. And as, as God began to move afresh in my own life and then got hold of me and sent an outpouring of the Spirit to our church through me, and I was just radically changed. This was beginning in November of 82. We began to see people healed as the Holy Spirit was moving, healed of, of different diseases, and they were testifying to what God was doing. And they would get up and share scripture, and they'd say, yeah, God gave me this verse, and I was standing on it, and I'm healed. I'm thinking, but that's not what the verse means. That's a misinterpretation of the Hebrew. And, and here you're, you're getting healed, but you're not believing accurately. And how is it, or, or am I misinterpreting something? What, something's not lining up here. And then, then I began to look at those with healing ministries, and it seemed that they, they held to certain fundamental truths that I believed were not accurate. So I thought, okay, this is, this is a quandary here. I know, I know the word is our authority, and everything flows out of the word. We base our theology on scripture, not on experience. And, and the, the reason I believe what I believe about healing is not experience, but scripture. So I, but here are people that are getting healed and it seems that God is doing this and yet they seem to be misunderstanding scripture and maybe what they believe is true but they're, they're using the wrong verses and so I, I just had a lot of questions and at this point I was working, I just started my doctoral dissertation that was some very technical linguistic subject and, and, and I didn't even know if God wanted me to finish my PhD at that point so I just laid it down for, for about nine months and prayed and fasted and sought the Lord. And then he just dropped the subject in my heart. I was, I was on my knees praying one day. I was looking at my Hebrew Bible at references to healing and trying to sort some of this out. 
And the thought hit, why not write on that subject? Why not write on Israel's divine healer? And, and because my, my degree was linguistic, why not just look at the Hebrew word for healing and look at how it's used in the ancient world and so on? So that became my doctoral dissertation. I'm the Lord, your healer, a philological study of the root Rafa in the Hebrew Bible and the ancient Near East. Delightful nighttime reading. In fact, in fact, it is, it is a surefire cure for insomnia. It's tremendous, tremendous work in that respect. Now, over the years, I became so consumed with wanting to see sick people healed that my pastor had to remind me that that was not my main call. My main call was more of a prophetic wake-up call to the church as opposed to having a healing ministry. But we've seen people healed over the years, even though it has not been my primary focus. But it remains something of, of great importance to me, again, because you're dealing with people's lives. You know, is it an abstract thing if you have a four-year-old and the doctor says your child has cancer, is not going to live it? Is it an abstract theological question? Or do you want to know that you know that God promises healing and, and know how to take hold of it? And, and there's so many people hurting and dying in this world that, that need God's healing touch. And we know that around the world, the great majority of people that are coming to faith are coming to faith out of an encounter with the Lord, many times being supernaturally healed. One of our grads serving as a, as a missionary in, in Kurdistan in, in northern Iraq ministering in refugee camps now as people came pouring in there from Syria. She was ministering to a Muslim woman who was, I believe, deaf in one ear, if I remember the, the story. Uh, and, and she ministered to this woman about Jesus and asked if she could pray for her. And the Muslim woman was very interested in Jesus. And, and not just as a Muslim who believed that Jesus was important, but that she and, and some, of, some other women had been in a terrible fire and they were, they were in a hospital ward, and several of them were dying, and she knew that her time was, was short, that she was going to die. And in a vision, Jesus appeared to her and brought her in this water and washed her in the water, and she was completely healed. But that's all she knew of him. So when this missionary came to tell her more about Jesus, like, yes, I love him. Tell me the rest of the story. So she gets born again, and she gets healed. And, you know, God's doing that around the world. So what, what does Scripture say? How can we understand God's Word? How can we better minister healing as a sign of God's love to a hurting and dying world? So that's what we want to look at. That's what we want to investigate. And let, let me just start here. It is just a basic human understanding that sickness in and of itself is a bad thing. You don't need to be a theologian. You can even be an atheist, and we'd agree on that. In and of itself, sickness is a bad thing. It's debilitating. It can be painful. It can cut your life short. When, when someone has a child, no one in their right mind wishes that that child will be sickly. No one says, oh, you're having a, oh, great, just had a baby, terrific. I pray that baby will be sick every day of its life. And no, of course not. When a young couple gets married, you know, 22 years old, and they just got married, you send them a card, so sorry, I couldn't be there, but I'm praying for sickness and disease to follow you all the days of your life. <laughs> Obviously not. So in and of ourselves, we know that even though God can work through sickness and disease and good can come out of bad, sickness and disease in and of itself, these things are bad. And just 
on a, on a functional level, it means something's wrong with the body. The body was made to be healthy and to thrive, and yet sickness and disease means something is not operating properly. Basically, the, the, the mentality of Scripture is exactly like that. That in the Bible, sickness and disease in and of themselves are bad things. Part of my, my studies going, during my doctoral dissertation was to look exhaustively at what Scripture said of this. And then when I ended up writing a book called Israel's Divine Healer, I did the same thing. I just went through the entire Bible and just underlined every verse having anything to do with sickness or healing. And, and it reinforces that conclusion that in and of itself, sickness and disease are bad, negative, destructive and healing and health are good and positive. So let's start in the book of Exodus. And we'll, we'll just run through a number of scriptures here. We're going to start in the book of Exodus. There's a reference to healing in the Bible before this, but we're going to start in Exodus, the 15th chapter. Exodus 15, the children of Israel come to undrinkable waters called Marah, which is bitter. And then Moses is directed to throw a tree, a piece of wood into the water. The water becomes sweet. And there, verse 25, the Lord made a decree and a law for them. And there he tested them. Verse 26, he said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, If you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I'm the Lord, your healer. Now, notice a few things. First, that all of the judgments, the curses that God brought on Egypt are put in the category of sicknesses, all right? And that God says, I won't bring any of these on you because I'm your healer. So the curses, the things that God brought on Egypt, are bad, negative, destructive. And God said, if you'll obey me, I won't bring any of these on you because I'm the Lord your healer. This would be part of his covenant blessing, divine healing, divine health as a covenant blessing from God. Now, if you go to chapter 23, Exodus chapter 23, this is reinforced. And look at what's written beginning in verse 25, Exodus 23, 25. Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. So again, if the nation of Israel would obey God, he would take sickness out of their midst, There'd be no barrenness or miscarrying. They'd live a full lifespan. And he also said, I'll bless your food and your water. So these are all the essentials to maintain and continue life, right? Blessing on food and water, removal of sickness, ability to reproduce, live a full lifespan. There's no question whatsoever that in the economy of the Old Testament, under the Sinai Covenant, sickness in and of itself, and I mean serious debilitating sickness, was considered to be a covenant curse, and healing and life were considered to be covenant blessings. Even when God says in Deuteronomy 30, I set before you life and death, 
So the path of obedience was the path of life, and the path of disobedience was the path of death. This is reiterated again in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. And if you start in verse 12, we read this, Deuteronomy 7, 12. You know it's nice to hear pages turning. You don't always hear that these days. I remember it was, it was probably about four years ago, I was, I was teaching a little seminar for leaders in California. And as, as we were going to different scriptures, I remember thinking, does nobody read the Bible anymore? Because I didn't hear any pages turning, and I looked up, and they were all on their smartphones or tablets. And... Now, that's okay. The problem is, when you're on your smartphone and tablet, you also see texts coming in and messages coming in and emails and things like that, whereas with the Bible, you, you just have the Bible. I, I was speaking at a church in Florida a few years ago, and somehow when I left the hotel, I didn't bring my Bible with me, but of course I got all kinds of Bible versions on my cell phone. So I got my cell phone on the pulpit, and I'm, I'm reading the text from there. And I put it down, and as I'm preaching, I see a text message pop up. And it was an old friend of mine I'd been very close with, but he had turned against me, and we'd become alienated. And I kept trying to reach out. I didn't know what his issues were. I kept trying to reach out to him, but he just pushed me away. And as I'm preaching, I see a text message from him. Hey, I'm praying for you, Mike. And I thought, is that... Is he reaching out? Is, well, I mean, I'm in the middle of preaching a message. And I'm thinking, well, that's, I mean, I just, can you excuse me one second? Do you mind if I just text back? This could be important. <laughs> one time, I, my mom passed away a little over a year ago at the age of 94. But I was, I was getting up to, to preach. One, same deal, you know, put my cell phone down and phone rings. It's my mother at the beginning of the service. So I just told everyone, I'm just going to answer. It's just my mother here. Um, anyway, so... Reading from the Bible directly is less distraction. That was my point. Okay. Deuteronomy 7, verse 12. If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you as he swore to your forefathers. He will love you and bless you and increase your numbers. He will bless the fruit of your womb, the crops of your land, your grain, your wine, and oil, the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks, and the land that he swore to your forefathers to give you. You will be blessed more than any other people. None of your men or women will be childless, nor any of your livestock without young. The Lord God will keep you free from every disease. He will not inflict on you the horrible diseases you knew in Egypt, but he will inflict them on all who hate you. You must destroy all the peoples the Lord your God gives over to you. Do not look on them with pity. Do not serve their gods, or that will be a snare to you. So the children of Israel were to drive out the Canaanites and the others. The key thing is here, obey the Lord, don't worship other gods, and he will bless you. Again, Sinai covenant, right? And that blessing will mean blessing on food and water, blessing to reproduce even the cattle, and the removal of all sickness and disease. So this is laid out three different times distinctly, very black and white. And, and certainly, if Israel as a nation had obeyed God, they would have been, far and away, without comparison, the healthiest nation on the planet. And they would have been free of sickness and disease. They would not be dying prematurely. They wouldn't be barren or miscarrying. This would be part of the covenant blessing. 
when you get to Deuteronomy 28, the first 14 verses of that lay out the covenant blessings, and then the rest of the chapter, the covenant curses. This will happen if you disobey. So for example, Deuteronomy 28, 22, the Lord will strike you with wasting disease, with fever and inflammation, with scorching heat and drought, with blight and mildew, which will plague you until you perish. Verse 27, the Lord will afflict you with the boils of Egypt, with tumors, festering sores, and the itch from which you cannot be cured. The Lord will afflict you with madness, blindness, and confusion of mind. It, it goes on dreadfully. Verse 61, or 60, the, the Lord will bring upon you all the diseases of Egypt that you dread it, and they will cling to you. The Lord will also bring on you every kind of sickness and disaster not recorded in this book of the law until you are destroyed. And twice it says he'll bring on you diseases which cannot be cured. This is not the blessing he promises. If you follow me and are earnest to keep my commandments, again, to the people of Israel under the Sinai covenant. God didn't say, if you follow me and you obey my commandments, I will bless you with sickness, disease, boils, blindness, terrible disability, premature death. Do you want to follow me? Again, it's not to say that there are not godly people who are sick. Some of the godliest people we know are sick. That's not the issue. It is to say that under the Sinai covenant, healing and health were divine blessings and sickness and disease were divine curses. And again, it makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. Just like if you're raising your kids in the Lord, the Lord says you raise your kids in the Lord and as a result, I will bless them with disobedience and apostasy all the days of their lives. You know, you give sacrificially and honor the work of the Lord and I will bankrupt you within a month. That's not the way it works. So we see that clearly laid out. It's indisputable. And it's common sense. Common sense. Sometimes we get too spiritual about things. You know, I I remember a young lady who was in love with a young man. You know, they both loved the Lord. But she couldn't see possibly how it could be God because it was too good. So in other words, if it's, the only way it could be God is if you have to marry someone that you despise and be miserable all your lives. It's like, you don't have to be so spiritual about it. You love each other, it's because God's bringing you together. So the same way, we don't have to be so spiritual about it to understand, it makes perfect sense. Serious sickness, disease, covenant curses, healing, health, long life, covenant blessings. And that's the mentality now we see reflected in the rest of the Old Testament. So let's say, for example, we go to the Psalms. Let's start in Psalm 6. Psalm 6. And the psalmist says this, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I'm faint. O Lord, heal me for my bones are in agony. My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. No one remembers you when he's dead who praises you from the grave. So this physical life is our opportunity to be on the earth and serve the Lord. And, And notice you've got a few things here. He's saying, don't rebuke me in your anger. Don't discipline me in your wrath. Be merciful to me. Heal me, for my bones are in agony. 
So he's saying, number one, that he's in terrible pain and sickness. He's obviously on the verge of death, hence talking about no one can praise you from the grave, meaning once you're out of this world, you're out of this world. But think of this as well. He's asking God to be merciful to him and not discipline him in his anger. In other words, he knows he's done something wrong. He understands that his sickness is the result of sin. Think of it like this. Think of someone who's a believer, who knows the Lord, God's miraculously delivered that person from a decadent lifestyle and made it clear you don't play games with this. And over a period of months, this believer keeps hardening his heart, hardening his heart, hardening his heart, not listening to divine warnings, not listening to prophetic words, keeps messing up, messing up, messing up, and finally goes out and does the worst of the things he used to do before he was saved after months and months of warnings, right? And wakes up the next morning with this terrible disease on his body. You know 100% your first thought is going to be, I, I sinned. I, this happened to me because I sinned. Either I got out of God's protection and the devil did this or God's disciplining me. In other words, when you know you disobey, you disobey, you disobey, you, you don't hear the warnings, and then you finally do something terribly wrong, and the next day you got this terrible disease out of the blue, your first impulse is going to be, man, I sinned. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. This is what the psalmist understood. Under the Sinai covenant, this would be the right way to think. In other words, he's terribly ill, and he knows he's terribly ill in his life because he sinned. So it's not a matter of saying that any time you were sick, you immediately knew you sinned, but certainly if you knew you sinned and then found yourself terribly sick, God, have mercy on me and heal me. Now, now look in Psalm 30. Psalm 30. I apologize for using so much scripture while preaching the word. (laughs) I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I called you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down to the pit. Now, here's what's really interesting. And, And then again, verse... Verse 10, hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me, O Lord, be my help. Why does he need mercy? And why is it that his friends, or his enemies, rather, were gloating over him? Well, his enemies were gloating over him because the fact that he was really sick and was going to die was proof that God wasn't with him, was proof that something was wrong in his life. And when God healed him, it vindicated him. Again, very much an Old Testament mindset. Go to Psalm 41. Psalm 41. Blessed is he who has regard for the weak. The Lord delivers him in times of trouble. The Lord will protect him and preserve his life. He will bless him in the land and not surrender him to the desire of his foes. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed and restore him from his bed of illness. Now look at this. I said, O Lord, have mercy on me. Heal me, for I've sinned against you. May enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? So again, the enemies, see, something's wrong, something's wrong, all right? And and what does he say? Heal me, for I've sinned against you. Well, Well, hang on. Sinning, you would say, forgive me, for I've sinned, right? Healing, you'd say, heal me because I'm sick. What does he say? Heal me because I've sinned. Hang on. 
Let's put that together. Something's missing here. Heal me because I'm sick. I'm sick because I sinned. Got it? Which becomes heal me because of sin. Healing and forgiveness thus going hand in hand. Forgiveness of sin would mean healing of sickness. Would mean restoration to divine favor. Again, consistent. Not reading anything into this. Just the mindset under the Sinai covenant makes perfect sense from this perspective. Which now brings us over to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. The psalmist says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my own inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Again, they go hand in hand. And this has been the psalmist's experience, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. So you realize also healing disease is not just, you know, I stubbed my toe or I had a little cold, but I was dying. I was really sick. God delivered me. He forgives and he heals. He redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Sickness, premature death, sin, all in the same category. God's life, healing, mercy, forgiveness, all in the same category. Blessings versus curses, consistent through the Old Testament. We get to the book of Proverbs, and we see that wisdom is the path to life. Wisdom is the path to life. Proverbs chapter 3. And we'll see that spiritual healing, physical healing, kind of go hand in hand. So Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Now, is that just a spiritual concept? Or is there something physical associated with that? Is it a physical concept only? Or is it something spiritual associated with it. I think it's both. In other words, I think it's, it's actual physical healing comes by the way of wisdom. All right, we are going to just take a break. You can stop the feed there for a second. And I need you to stand to your feet. And it's been an interesting trip thus far. A little hard to, to mention, but as I'm teaching... I am, for the first time in my life, under an unusual physical attack. So here's what you're going to do. Everyone's just going to pray for a minute. I'm going to step out, and we'll resume in five minutes. Sound good? All right. Which is the... Okay. Hang on. Thank you, Jesus. 
Father, we thank you for the power of your word right now and the presence of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, strength right now in Jesus' name. We break the enemy's attacks. Let me get to the bathroom, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you, Jesus. 